every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats. This is Our Lives in Politics with your host Booker and co-host Lou Basada. When people are universally ignorant, they will sink under their own weight without the aid of a foreign invader. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. When the American spirit was in its youth, the language of America was different. Liberty was the primary object. Show me that age and country where the rights and liberties of the people were placed on the sole chance of their rulers being good men without a consequent loss of liberty. The first thing I have at heart is American liberty. The second thing is American Union. The words and quotes from America's founding fathers. Those are the words of Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, Ben Franklin, and Edmund Burke. It has been freedom and liberty that have been the cornerstone, the very foundation of America. And all of those sentiments have carried on through this country's history. Whether that history was good or bad, whether you agree with it or not, being free is what we have always been about until recently. Abe Lincoln said, Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. And it was George Orwell that said, If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they don't want to hear. What does being free mean to you? Do we even have freedom anymore? Cumbersome regulations and laws that have passed through the years have slowly eroded freedoms and liberties. We're at a point now where speech is censored by our government, and they even want to tell us what appliances we can purchase. So, are we really free? I'm Booker Scott. Thanks for joining us on America Out Loud Talk Radio, or wherever you found us on a podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. You can follow me on Twitter at Booker Spartacus, and the Spartacus is spelled wrong, by the way. It's S-P-A-R-T-I-C-U-S. That's on Twitter at Booker Spartacus, also on Truth Social. Feel free to make a comment or a question. Just send me a direct message there on Twitter. This hour, I'll bring you some of the hearings from Washington, D.C. this week. From UFOs to Mayorkas, it's crazy. Also a resolution in the Senate to prevent insider trading by Congress. That seems like a great idea, so what exactly is the holdup? And of course we had Hunter Biden that was in court. Everybody's talking about Hunter Biden. And then also Joe Biden. His lies continue to be exposed. I want to get started this hour with freedom. To me, and probably to you, A lot of laws that are being passed in states and being forced by the Biden administration through executive orders, they just seem crazy. They they just don't make any sense. There's really no other way to put it. From time to time, I've talked about those things here. But this new one, being considered and being floated out there, it really has me considering whether we are actually free. 
when it gets to the point that they are going to decide for us what type of water heaters, how we can heat our own water, then are we free? As I think back to overreach, I always remember my personal reaction to when seatbelt laws were passed. I don't know if you remember how you felt about that, but I remember thinking, why does the government care about whether I wear my seatbelt? How is that their concern? It just felt really odd to me at the time. If I'm not smart enough to use a seatbelt and I'm injured or killed as a result, isn't it really still my choice? I remember having that thought back then, and all that started back in the late 60s, but uh, every state came along uh, along the way, probably into the 2010, 2011, they were still making seatbelt laws. And when you dig into seatbelt laws, it had more to do with insurance companies' lobbies than safety, probably. It wasn't about life or death to them, it was about the money that they were having to pay out. So I get that, but it, it still made me uneasy about giving up my right to choose and being forced to do something by the government. And yes, I realize it's, it's a stretch on the seatbelts. I get that. But I'm using it as an example to show you how our liberties have slowly eroded over time without us really paying attention. Personally, I wear a seatbelt, and I hope you do too. From seatbelts, we move to red light cameras to having to have our dogs on a leash. That has to be a law. And that list just kept growing. It got longer and longer. The, the regulations became cumbersome until we wake up and laws are being passed to prevent parents from having a say in certain states on whether their child can have puberty blockers or not. That's where we are. Our government is now telling us what types of cars we can drive, the stoves we can cook on, and how we can heat our water in our homes. You know, England has gone so far as to regulate electric tea kettles for afternoon tea. Laws on top of laws, regulations on top of regulations have constricted our freedoms. So I'm going to ask again, are we still free? I've done several shows on the censorship that our government has done to us while the three-letter agencies have worked with big tech and social media companies, there have been a lot of hearings on Capitol Hill. We're being told what to say and what to think. We're being told what we can buy and how to live. This isn't the America the Founding Fathers had in mind. Recently, you, you may remember in the Missouri versus Biden court case, the judge in that case handed down an injunction to force the Biden administration from communicating with all of those social media companies and big tech. That was to cease the censorship that was going on until a decision could be made in that court case. It was big news. That was a few weeks ago. You, you remember that. The Biden administration has now appealed that decision because they want to censor you and they're fighting for their right to do that in court. It seems crazy. Jim Jordan is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and uh, they've had many hearings this year on the role of government and how it has played a role in silencing and dissent, uh, the dissenting speech and opinion. Late this week, Jim Jordan on Twitter released some previously never seen internal documents that his committee had subpoenaed. Now, these documents prove Facebook and Instagram censored posts and changed their content moderation policy because of unconstitutional pressure from the Biden White House. 
Remember, we already know from the weaponization committee hearings and the Twitter files that Twitter had 80 FBI agents that were working to do the same thing with Twitter. And at the time of those hearings, I remember thinking and saying on this program that it's just the tip of the iceberg. Because Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Google, they are so much larger in reach. They have so many more users. So how many FBI agents do you think it took for YouTube or Facebook? Here's some more of what Jim Jordan released this week. Back in the first half of 2021, a Facebook employee circulated an email for Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and the chief operating officer Sheryl Sandberg. And that email said, quote, We are facing continued pressure from external stakeholders, including the Biden White House, unquote. In April of 2021, Nick Clegg, who is Facebook's president for global affairs, sent an email to the Facebook team that senior advisor to Joe Biden, and that's Andy Slavitt, was, quote, outraged that Facebook did not remove a certain post. The Biden White House is outraged that social media didn't remove a post. Would you believe the Biden White House just wanted a simple meme removed from the platform? Yeah, that's it. They even wanted to censor a silly meme. But Clegg of Facebook, here's what's interesting. He pushed back. So there's some understanding here that Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Google, they understand that what they are being asked to do is against Americans' rights. But yet they continue to do it anyway. But it is very interesting that they do realize that exactly what they were doing. Here's a quote from Clegg at that time. This represents a significant incursion into traditional boundaries of free expression in the U.S., unquote. But again, due to the tremendous pressure from the White House and the administration and Facebook's desire to have a good relationship with the Biden administration, Facebook went ahead and removed that post. And it wasn't the only time. We know of the time that the Biden administration, only 24 hours after being in office and being sworn in, they did the same thing to uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. on one of his posts on Twitter. But they, they've done it other times. Like when the White House demanded to know why Tucker Carlson's video had not been removed and silenced. And even though Carlson's video didn't violate any of Facebook's policies, they still reduced its reach by 50%. Then move forward to July of 2021, when Joe Biden publicly denounced the social media platforms. Do you remember that? I vaguely remember that. He blamed and claimed that all the social media platforms were responsible for killing people because of the disinformation about the COVID vaccines. In response, Facebook announced on August 2nd, 2021, that their policies would be changing as a direct result of that Biden pressure. Jim Jordan wrapped up his Twitter posts with these words. I'm going to quote this now, quote, these documents and others that were just produced to the committee prove that the Biden administration abused its powers to coerce Facebook into censoring Americans, preventing free and open discourse of issues of critical public importance. And only after the committee announced its intentions to hold Zuckerberg in contempt, 
Remember, that was happening last week. Now back to the quote. Only, only then did Facebook produce an internal document, which proved that government pressure was directly responsible for censorship on Facebook. Of course, that censorship was for those of us that questioned the safety of the mRNA vaccines that we now know we should have been questioning. So I'll ask again, are we free? I always wondered how everything could have happened in Germany as it did in the 1930s and 40s. And unfortunately, I believe we are seeing it and we're living through it now in America. Let's stay here on speech and thought police in the Biden administration for a few minutes. DHS Secretary Mayorkas was back on the hot seat in a hearing this week in Washington, D.C., and I'm really getting tired of this guy's dishonesty, and I know I'm not alone. You probably feel the same way, and I cannot understand for the life of me why the Republicans have not impeached Mayorkas already. He lied four months ago under oath in a hearing. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But before we do that, let's stay here on this First Amendment and censorship of our speech. Here, Congressman Mike Johnson questions Mayorkas about CISA and free speech and the Missouri versus Biden decision. In the middle of all this, you created the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, CISA, which is a division of, of, of of DHS. And it's one of the Biden administration agencies that colluded with and coerced the social media companies to censor Americans' protected free speech online. That's specifically detailed in a 155-page court opinion that came out of the federal court in Louisiana in the landmark litigation of Missouri v. Biden. Have you read that court opinion? Uh, Congressman, I have not. And um, the, uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency does not censor speech. Okay, well, that's the court found otherwise. And it's really curious to me. Actually, it's quite alarming that you haven't read the opinion because your agency is listed in this opinion. The federal court looked at volumes of evidence over months of litigation. And they determined, among other things, that uh, if the allegations made by the plaintiffs, the states in this case are true, and, and hold on, the preliminary injunction was granted against your agency, sir and other Biden administration agencies, including the DOJ and FBI, the court said it involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. And you're telling me this opinion issued July 4th has not reached your desk? No one's briefed you on it? Oh, I have been briefed on the Missouri litigation. Okay, but you haven't taken the time to read it yet. Congressman, um... No, hold on. Have you read it or not? I have read parts of it, Congressman. Oh, parts of it. Did you read the parts where it said that this is Orwellian and dystopian and that your agency is involved in a massive cover-up of specifically conservatives' free speech online? Congressman, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is not involved in such conduct. Okay, well, the court found otherwise, and you stand here under oath and you give us these answers that we know were not true because this is demonstrably untrue. I'm suggesting to you that you're saying things to us under oath that are proven by the record to be untrue. Who determines what is false in your agency? If you're going to pull something off the Internet and collude with a social media platform to make sure Americans don't see it, Who determines what's false? Congressman, we don't do that. That's not true. That is not true. That is not what the court has found. This is not a Republican talking point. This is what the documents show. We've had people testify under oath that say, and you just define the term, you're telling me that you don't know who determines what is false? Congressman, what we do at CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, is identify the tactics that adverse nation states use to weaponize disinformation. Okay, what is disinformation? What is disinformation? Disinformation 
is inaccurate information. Who determines what's inaccurate? Who determines what's false? Do you understand the problem here? The reason the framers of our Constitution did not create an exception for quote-unquote false information from the First Amendment is because they didn't trust the government to determine what it is. And you have whole committees of people in your agency trying to determine what they, de they determine, they define as false or misinformation. That is not true. Well, then what is true? What we Please do enlighten us. Is what we do is we disclose the tactics that adverse nation states are utilizing to weaponize no, sir. information. No, sir. The court found specifically, it's a finding of fact that is not disputed by the government defendants, the Biden administration, your agency, the FBI, or DHS, not in the litigation. They determined you made, you and all of your cohorts made no distinction between domestic speech and foreign speech. So don't stand there and tell me under oath that you only focused on adverse, you know, uh, adversaries around the world. So what exactly are the Republicans waiting on? Why haven't they impeached Mayorkas yet? He has been lying every time he goes before any of these committees. It is ridiculous that Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans haven't started impeachment proceedings on Alejandro Mayorkas. But he continues to get questioned. <laughs> Let's find out now, is he going to tell the truth? Here we have Congressman Dan Bishop. He gets Mayorkas actually to admit under oath right here that CISA used switchboarding to remove posts in 2018 and 2020 during the election cycle. CISA uh, was engaged in switchboarding in which, for example, it was essentially an audit official to identify something on social media that they deemed to be disinformation aimed at their jurisdiction. They could forward that to CISA and CISA would share that with the appropriate social media companies. Now, that was a quote from his testimony. That sounds like flagging to me, flagging to social media companies, and all of his testimony was, was of similar import. How does that reconcile with what you just said, Ms. Easterly, correctly answered before the Appropriations Subcommittee? Congressman, uh, a few points on switchboarding. Number no, 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 no. Would you, would you, would you... Yes. Uh, would you reconcile those two statements, please? Yes. I, I don't really have enough time to go off on I, dissertation. Yes, I will. Okay. If you'll allow me. Quickly. Thank that you. That practice, my understanding is that that practice was in 2018 and 2020, is no longer employed by CISA. And what it amounted to was serving as an intermediary between election officials and social media companies. We were not making a judgment back then in 2018 when, or 2020. When, I, I get your point. I get your point. I, and I know you're going to elaborate, and I appreciate that. But I, I think the point you just said, and I'd like to inquire further about it, you said it is no longer the practice. When did it stop? I'd be pleased to um, uh, to provide that information to you, and I will defer to the director uh, easterly, but we will provide that information to you. Uh, you do not know when they stopped doing it? I do not. Alejandro Mayorkas knows nothing but yet, anything that he does know, he's going to lie about. The guy is a wreck. Representative Harriet Hagman of Wyoming says it's interesting that the person, Mayorkas, that's in charge of mis- and malinformation, just spent the entire day lying to Congress. But she also goes back to the Founding Fathers when she addresses and talks to Alejandro Mayorkas. Mr. Mayorkas, I actually really want to thank you as well for coming here today, for your performance. I have watched with absolute fascination as you have danced and dodged and lied, yes, lied, 
We know you've lied, you know you've lied, but more importantly, the American public knows that you lied throughout your testimony today. And yet you believe that you and your fellow architects of the censorship industrial complex think that you should be able to determine what is and isn't true and what is and isn't untrue. You are the walking, talking epitome of the very tyrant that our forefathers recognized would gravitate towards government service. And it is because of people like you that they drafted the First Amendment. I thank them for their foresight. I thank them for recognizing that you and people like you would do everything in your power to control speech, to control freedom, to take away our rights. And they've written a document that isn't going to allow you to do that. Unfortunately, we still have courts and judges who recognize that you don't have the power that you are attempting to take, that you do not have the right to limit our freedom of speech, our freedom of association, our right to communicate. Thank God we have the First Amendment so that we can stop you from doing what you've been doing. With that, I yield back. About four months ago, I did a program right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio about uh, some hearings that took place with Mayorkas again, where he lied under oath. He said they had operational control. Chief Ortiz of the Border Patrol, who is now retired, he said they didn't. So it was plain then that Mayorkas was lying. Somebody was lying. It was one or the other. And we know from all the facts at the border that it is a human crisis and there is not operational control. But here is Chip Roy, and he makes the entire case from four months ago, right here again this week in this hearing. Secretary Mayorkas, on April 28th, 2022, I ask you, quote, will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no, end quote. You responded with, quote, yes, we do, period, end quote. I then asked, we have operational control of the borders? You responded, quote, yes, we do period, end quote. I read to you the definition of operational control. I actually held up this chart, operational control as defined under the Secure Fence Act. Put it up for plain reading, plain as day. I put up the second part of the same statute, which defines operational control. It means the prevention of all unlawful entries in the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. I said to you, do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? You responded with, quote, I do, period, end quote. We have now had, since you testified, we have had something like 200 people a day dying from fentanyl deaths, which would amount to 90,000 people. I showed you before, when you were here, the lost voices of fentanyl, the hundreds the thousands of Americans that continue to die, 90,000 since you came into this committee and lied to us saying we have operational control. And just to wrap up this part of the program on Mayorkas and that hearing, I'm going to play two back-to-back for you. I'm going to play Congressman Jeff Vandrew from New Jersey, and then you're going to hear Mike Johnson one more time on Mayorkas. Here's Jeff Vandrew. So we arrive at an inevitable conclusion that I do not take lightly. Secretary Mayorkas, you must resign. Will you resign? No, I will not. I am incredibly proud of the work that is performed. I understand. In the Department of Secretary Mayorkas, if you will not resign, 
That leaves us with no other option. You should be impeached. And I yield back to the chairman. I've been in Congress seven years. I think you're the most dishonest witness that has ever appeared before the Judiciary Committee. And I think I speak for a lot of my colleagues. This is such a frustrating exercise for us because our constituents want answers. They're tired of the open border. They're tired of people dying from fentanyl overdoses. And it's your fault. It's my time. The time has come for Alejandro Mayorkas to resign or be impeached. And I can't understand why the Republicans just won't go ahead and do it. And I know they have their eye on Joe Biden and 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 there's Merrick Garland and and there's Christopher Ray and there's all these people. This is low hanging fruit, and I've said it for months and I don't know what they're waiting on. So what did you make of the UFOs? I remember my weekly reader in 1974 talking about UFOs and also flying cars, which we don't have. So now we have this evidence coming out in a hearing this week that says there are UFOs. And it was interesting. I don't know what to make out of it. It doesn't, you know, I look at it as a distraction. If they've been here all these years, then they haven't affected my life any. So I'm not going to get caught up into it, but I do want to play you a couple of clips because I think it is interesting, a couple of things that were testified to. And one of them was at Vandenberg Air Force Base in 2003, Numerous witnesses saw a 100-yard red square approach from the ocean and hover over the base for 45 seconds. Can you imagine that? A giant red football field hovering over an Air Force base for 45 seconds. Multiple witnesses saw that, and someone testified to that in this hearing this week. Let's go to South Carolina Representative Nancy Mace. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And it sounded like Nancy Mace was uh, a little a little taken back with the answer and didn't know where to go. She uh, threw a um in there and then went on with the question, was it human or non-human biologics? That was interesting. Another, another series of questions came from Congressman Tim Burchett from the state of Tennessee, and he was asking questions on whether people had been harmed or threatened or even murdered as a result of this program. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes, personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think that you know of or have heard of, I guess? I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. I honestly don't know what to make out of all the UFO stuff. I just don't know what to believe. I'm going to just not think about it because it's too much for me to handle. Coming up next, we are going to get into a conversation in a live Twitter space. Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? It's coming up next. Stay with us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. 
For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Our Lives in Politics on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I am Booker Scott. And again, if you would like to ask a question or make a comment about the show or any subjects that we have here, please find me on Twitter at Booker Spartacus and please send me a direct message. I don't mind that. We are getting into the election season. Obviously, there is a lot of talk of Ron DeSantis. We see him falling in the polls. And we see Donald Trump gaining momentum, it seems like, in the polls every time there's a new indictment, which there are new indictments coming. We're going to go into a live Twitter space now to get the pulse of the people. What are you thinking about DeSantis and Trump in 24? Let's start the conversation now in this live Twitter space in San Antonio. Thanks, Booker. For me, I'm, I'm American first. And either one of these guys, DeSantis or Trump, are I, I could I could live with either one of them. I'm leaning more towards Trump only because not not necessarily his domestic policies. I think his domestic policies are fairly similar to DeSantis, but it's the foreign policies. He has a proven track record of bringing back impossible deals, and we are at a point where uh, 
we need a rainmaker. We need somebody to get us back from where we are currently on the floor, on the global stage where nobody's talking to us. Nobody's even returning our phone calls. They don't respect us. We're, we're on the brink of World War III. We need somebody who has the experience of bringing back these peace deals, getting arch enemies that have been for thousands of years killing each other, signing peace accords. And I think that's exactly what we're going to need right now. Joel, you mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, you're kind of leaning toward Donald Trump right now. So the question is, do you believe, knowing that those things are important to you, the foreign policy things that Trump can do, do you believe that Ron DeSantis has what it takes to do the foreign policy part that is such a concern for you? I'm not not discounting that he, I'm not saying that he doesn't have what it takes. It's just, I don't know if he does. I know Trump has what it takes. Let's go to Parson in Michigan. Parson, you're up. You know, uh, there's a lot I agree with Joel, and I just want to kind of make this. I, I'm pretty sure, um, even though my I have my Facebook page locked up for a couple last couple of years, I am the first person that ever used the term publicly never Trump. Let that sink in. I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, this is I've been active in in political campaigns since 1984. The first vote I ever cast, the first box I ever checked was for Ronald Reagan. And I'd only turned 18, uh, not even a month prior. And ever since, I have actively been involved because I've been active in looking at politics since I was like six. Um, I could, I can, the 1970. uh, 76 Republican convention. I can talk to you all day long about it. I watched the whole damn thing. I wasn't even, I was not even 10 yet. So the, the point I, I want to make here is we always have civil wars. And when, when it was clear, I mean, it was clear that Trump was going to win the GOP nomination. I went into a deep depression a massively deep depression. As a political animal who literally considered Hillary to be 10 times worse than Barack Hussein Obama, I, I, I just zoned out for two weeks. I turned everything off. I just focused on my business. And I just, you know, thought to myself, better dig in deep because, you know, it's lost. And I was sitting in my office working late, and this was a couple weeks before the convention. And I get a pop-up notification that Trump is about to go live. Now, I have to tell you, I watched every GOP uh, debate, okay? And Trump made me laugh a lot. But I still I still was all in on uh, Cruz. He was my second choice. My first choice bailed out early. And it was the first time I ever listened to his campaign rally. It was the first time I literally decided I was going to pay attention to what he was saying. And I was blown away. So what I'm trying to say to everybody is regardless of how this ends, I have my feelings on how this is going to end. You're going to one side or the other is going to go through that moment. Okay. You're going to go through that moment. We're gonna we're gonna shut the other side down. Well, some of us are. I you know I I think I, I I'll give you my opinion. I think it's already lost for DeSantis. 
I, I think every day going forward, he loses more. And it has more about his personality. Personalities, we could talk issues all day long, we're issue people, but the American public is, is not paying attention to the issues. If they did, we would have stopped sending money to Ukraine a year ago. Okay, American people are not paying attention to the issues. They're worried about the cost of milk and and all that on their table and what's going on in their personal lives, what's going on at work, what's going on with their kids, what's going on with their girlfriend, their boyfriend, whatever. They're not as in tuned as we are. And personality plays a role. And as somebody that as a profession, what's made me good and, and allowed me to survive this world is that I can read body language. And I can read voice inflection. I can read facial expression. And some of you guys are not going to like this, but but DeSantis is not even green. He's greener than green. And I know he's been the governor and so forth. But the more I see of him, the more concern I have. Does not mean I wouldn't vote for him. Don't take that the wrong way. He's just green. He's got some maturing to do. And I'll land there for now, Booker. Thank you, Parsons. Let's, uh, I want to come back to both Joel and Parsons on this question. Let's consider for a moment that all of us now know that the Durham report showed what it showed. We know that Hillary Clinton started the Russian collusion hoax. We know that was a lie. We've known it for a while, but it is the truth. It is what happened. And everything that Donald Trump went through for four or five years that scarred him is because he was not part of the establishment. You go from the the Russian hoax to the Mueller investigation, the Mueller report, then to two impeachments, and then you go to January 6th and the election mess. All of that to be capped off with 51 former intelligence agency agent guys writing a letter to say that the Hunter laptop was more than likely Russian disinformation when they had no information at all. All of that happened because he was one of us. He was not a part of the Beltway. So my question is this. If Governor Ron DeSantis is not establishment, why does anyone think that he is going to be treated differently? And if he isn't treated differently, is he better or worse equipped to handle it than Donald Trump? Parson, I'll go to you. Whoa, I didn't expect you to come back to me that fast. I, I will say this. Any, nobody is as well equipped as Trump to deal with what's coming at him. So I, I'm just going to say that. I don't, I'm not going to take a swing at DeSantis. I'm, I'm just going to state the obvious fact. Donald Trump has fought the war. And, and you, like I, knew was, we knew back in August it was all Hillary. Um, and we knew what was going on before the election, days following the election. Anybody that was paying attention and, and used discernment knew what was going on. This was a deep state action, and they were taken by surprise. So, but yeah, I mean, to answer your, your, your question, I, I, I think I can land right there. <laughs> so, do you think that it exposes DeSantis as establishment if they don't go after him? Yeah, I already, I'm already there. I okay. mean, the evidence is there. The evidence is there that he's got that deep establishment. That's, that's why he is where he is, because he couldn't – what's going on right now with his campaign couldn't be done from – like Donald Trump started from scratch. He's not starting from scratch. So I'll let, he's already being handled, guys. Let's go to Nathan. Nathan, hey, you're up. Hey, Booker. Thanks. I, I have a lot of questions about DeSantis myself because he owns – he uh, – 
has a couple hospitals and, and I know some of the vaccines are in Florida. They're asking what's going on and, and a bunch of crickets. And like everyone else uh, pointed out that, that Trump is better equipped to, to face the challenges that we have at hand. If I'm, I don't think he stands a chance, but Let's just say he does get the nomination. I'm, if that happens, I'm going to vote for uh, Kennedy. Well, and if that's if Kennedy even beats Joe Biden, which I don't even know that Joe Biden is still going to be the actual nominee for the Democrats before it's all said and done. Nathan, let me come back to you and ask this question or about uh, Ron DeSantis. Can you give me a couple of things that you really like about Ron DeSantis? Oh, yeah, there's plenty. I mean, I live here in Florida. I think his uh, being out loud about Disney and and uh, some of the stuff he's he's uh, put through has been good, but I I think he he plays he plays the game, and and uh, there's you know if if you really look at the laws that are coming out of Tallahassee, then. Yeah, um, you know, you kind of almost got to wonder if he's reading it himself. Joel, we're going to come back to you. Joel's in San Antonio, Texas. Joel, you're sitting down there where uh, there are thousands and thousands of immigrants crossing the border. Who's better equipped to handle the border? Is it Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump? I would give that a toss up because only because DeSantis is somewhat dealing with it. I mean, he lives in Florida. He, he's the governor of Florida. He's dealing with the border crisis firsthand in his state, as well as lending assets and, and, and boots on the ground to my governor, Governor Abbott, to enhance Operation Lone Star. So in, in my view, both of them are, are fairly, as, as far as the border goes, it's a toss up. I'm not exactly thrilled that that trump is claiming that he finished the wall uh because what's he gonna do when he gets into office ignore the wall because he quote unquote finished it no it needs to be finished still but it's it's i again it's it's not a it's not an issue that is just the wall trump Trump was masterful in dealing with mexico and and the other central american countries in order to stop the people from even getting to the border. And I I think, so it's kind of a toss up, but again, Trump sort of has that, uh, that, foreign policy edge on DeSantis, I think. For those of you just joining us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, you are listening to a Twitter space to get a pulse of the people. It's something that I do every once in a while here on Our Lives in Politics. Glad you are here. Glad you are enjoying this part of the program. Coming up in a few minutes, I'll get to Caleb Slater. Uh, Caleb is running for New York State Senator, and he's 26 years old. He has a great outlook on life and on politics, and I think you'll love what he has to say. Right now, we're talking about Donald Trump, and we're talking about Ron DeSantis. Who are you for? Who do you see winning in the election in 24 in the primary? Of course, Donald Trump is up right now by 30 32%, uh, depending on who you listen to. And, of course, he listened to Kaylee McEnany. I read that earlier uh, the tweet that he put out about her that's, you know, it's those types of things that have us cringing about Donald Trump because I see Kaylee McEnany as someone that had his back. She took bullets for Donald Trump repeatedly. 
And, you know, she comes out and whether she made a mistake on a poll or whether she actually knew, what does it matter? We're 18 months away from an election and he wants to make an issue about it with Kaylee McEnany. And I think anyone that actually supports Donald Trump probably still cringes when that type of tweet comes. And then that's the problem with the people in the middle. The people, the talking heads that are on Fox and all the other television stations, they're sitting there saying Donald Trump can't be elected because of the people in the middle. And then he comes out with that kind of tweet. And so the answer then is is Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis can win in the middle. Well, my question is, if he can win the people in the middle and he wins and he truly is establishment, what does that do for America? What does that do for America first or the MAGA movement? And really, it probably won't do anything. Parson, we'll go back to you. Parson's in Michigan. Well, I'm glad you brought up this subject. So Trump's bad, mean tweets. Well, let's take Kaylee. A pure example. Kaylee knew, knew for sure that she was putting up the wrong numbers. And she, before Donald Trump ever said anything, uh, put a truth out, anything about her, about it, she had been informed that her numbers were incorrect. So the assumption there being is is Kaylee is no longer a friendly asset. Donald Trump is a businessman. He's a strategist. And when you discover somebody that was a friend, that you thought was a friend, had just, just purposely baited you, he's going to come out swinging. That's what Donald Trump does. He, he doesn't do it necessarily for the audience, by the way, folks. He's doing it for others that might think about, you know, that's standing behind the, the curtain and hasn't come out. And they're going to come out and do, they're going to do these little things. And so, oh, so, so you're not really on my side. Okay, well, let me point that out. And that's all he really did. And I think we get hypersensitive. You know, the reality of it is, Everything I know about Donald Trump, in person, he's a human being. There is campaign Donald Trump, there is promoter Donald Trump, there is businessman Donald Trump, and then there's Donald Trump the person. They're not the same people. And most people know that. The man is kind as can be. He's generous. Uh, You never hear anybody that's been alone with him say anything negative about that experience and it's always and we've seen the the interviews so i i think it's i think it's a tool that the media wants to use as a wedge and it's certainly a tool the rhinos you know who who i i know they believe oh donald trump can't win this and i mean their whole effort behind this is they don't want biden to do another four years because they know he can't last and they don't want to get stuck with kamala but they're wrong and I think that I think the polls are proving that out. And I also think what's going to be proved out is is Trump's going to win. But we have to do this first. Um, I, I, I just I'm looking so forward to uh, the 18 months ahead of us. Thank you, Parsons. I'm going to go back to Joel in San Antonio. Uh, Joel, let you uh, finish up your thoughts on Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. If if you were going to vote today, who would your vote be for? Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I would be happy or not happy, satisfied with either one of them right now, as it stands. Um, it would be nice if, if DeSantis had a little bit of a personality. It's, it, I mean, for Pete's sake, Bob Dole had a better personality than DeSantis. 
<laughs> that's that's saying something. But, but yeah, I I really am as much as much as we as many problems as we have domestically. Uh, I'm really worried about what's going on in in the world and how we are we are just being trampled on. Uh, China is messing with our currency. They they are making a big push to dethrone the American dollar. And Biden, I, I personally, Congress keeps asking what what did China get for the five million. I think we're seeing in broad daylight exactly what they're getting for the five million. It's it's a transaction that's still occurring. Is Biden is giving them superiority of the Chinese currency over the American dollar. So, and I and I think Trump with his business acumen, his foreign policy chops, I think. I'm really leaning towards him. And the good thing I think we're hearing from both uh, Parson and Joel and Nathan is that regardless of who may win between DeSantis or Trump, that at this point in this race, they would still support the other one. And I think that's really important because it's so important that in 24, the Republican wins and becomes president. We have time for a couple of more. So let's go to All Lives Matter. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? Um, I think DeSantis will lose a lot of his voter because of uh, abortion law he did in Florida. A lot of people will not vote for DeSantis, special woman, because of abortion. Now, um, I'm vote, I used to vote first time for Trump, and I vote second time for Trump, and I want to see Trump as the next president of the United States. Um, but here is the problem. We have machines, those new smart machines. And for example, polls, let's say, close 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. After 8 p.m., machine telling you how much, how many percent each person got. Now, if you know, for example, Trump against Biden, and uh, for example, Trump got 49 percent and uh, Biden got 47 percent, they continue to receive bailouts by mail, so they can bring. They can bring. Democrats can bring as much as they need bailouts by mail, so they can beat Trump. It will be fraud. The whole elections, for example, if it stop eight o'clock, eight zero one, we're supposed to know who won. If they're not going to do that, it will be fraught again. That's how Trump lost last time. That's my opinion. I'm hearing you, and I know a lot of people feel exactly the way you do. Let's go to Jambalaya in Louisiana. Hello, family in Christ, Booker, Nathan, Stacy. Um, I just wanted to say that I think one of my concerns, because my first time voting ever was for Trump. Um, I love Trump, and I love him because of his policies, though, uh, as you mentioned, some of his conduct um, – I think maybe we were drawn to his kind of like outlandish behavior because uh, it was outlandish in that in politics, you're not really supposed to say, you know, things that are true and you're supposed to have some type of political decorum, even if you're lying to people. And he kind of broke the mold of that. And that's, you know, honestly what drew a lot of us to him. But I think that that can go all the way to another extreme and you can actually isolate people because, um, that becomes now your moniker. That becomes what you're known for. 
and not the things that you actually accomplish. And that's not a good look. Second, I would say when it comes to DeSantis, one thing I'm concerned about is I no longer believe, you know, that I have to vote for a Republican um, because we can see now with the bill that just passed, you know, with the debt thing, that somebody claiming to be a Republican means absolutely nothing. So I'm a little, I don't know, call me, um, you know, optimistic, but a realist, because I don't want to make myself believe that DeSantis is, you know, the, the lesser evil, because as long as I get him in and not a Democrat, because essentially knowing his kind of background with the establishment and the people that support him and fund him, I kind of look at it like I could possibly be voting for a Republican in name who, once he's in, actually does a lot of liberal progressive things. Let's go to Greek. Greek, go ahead. You have the floor. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me speak here. Uh, you know, I find this conversation very interesting, you know, Trump versus DeSantis. DeSantis' campaign is nothing more than truly a Twitter campaign. It's not organic like Donald Trump's campaign was in 2016. Um, I don't know, and I'm pretty actively involved in, in local politics on the GOP side, obviously. I don't see anyone organically really, truly supporting DeSantis over Trump. Um, there's no empirical evidence whatsoever showing that DeSantis, A, is going to beat Trump, let alone B, DeSantis beating uh, Biden in office. Um, you know, if you look at if you look at DeSantis's history in Congress, it was nothing of note. He only got the governorship um, because he was down by 20 points uh, in the primary against Adam Putnam. And it was Trump's endorsement that came in and propelled DeSantis to to winning Florida four years ago. And, you know, call me old fashioned. Maybe maybe I'm just kind of a, you know, a basic dude. But the one thing I do know is that if you and I, you support me, let's say you, you help me out at a jam, I, as a man, will be somewhat indebted to you. And just based on the mere fact that DeSantis got the endorsement for Trump, DeSantis damn well knows that he wouldn't have gotten the governorship without Trump's endorsement, how he could turn on him. Um, yes, I know it's politics, all of that stuff. Maybe I'm old fashioned. I'm a guy. We shake hands. We go to war together. I don't, I, I can never trust DeSantis um, because of that alone. I mean, there's so many more things, but just on a human level, on a DNA gut male level, when we, uh, when we shake hands and go to war against something, we're, we're, we're in it together for life. Um, DeSantis is a young man. He could have waited. And I get the feeling that, you know, it's really his wife, number one, pushing him to run. You know, she's in his ear saying, this is your time, Ron. And, you know, she's already measuring the drapes of the White House, let's be honest. And then and then secondly, it's it's a lot of the 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 the, the industry of politics, all of these individuals making a ton of money on pushing DeSantis so they can, you know, profit off of his campaign. Um, you know, and I'll leave you with this. If, 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 if you want someone who's going to uh, govern like George Bush, then, then DeSantis is your man. If you want somebody with the personality of Jeb Bush, then DeSantis is your man. But the way I see it, it's Trump 2024. Thank you. And I have one pointed question for you. And you can just answer sure. yes or no. Let's say DeSantis wins the primary 
and your choice is DeSantis or not voting. Do you vote? Uh, great question. I will tell you right here, right now, um, according to the latest polls, there's speculation about 25 to 28 percent of MAGA, hardcore MAGA, will not vote for DeSantis. And I got to tell you, I've come to the point, like this lady who just before me spoke, she said it very well. Um, you know, we're in this position because of weak Republicans and the debt deal, as this lady said yesterday or, or earlier, right before me, um, as she said, is just because you have an R behind your name means nothing to me anymore. And I think that last night's debt deal solidified that to me. To answer your question, if DeSantis is the primary winner, which I don't think he will be, he will not get my vote. I'll stay home. And I voted in every election. I'm actively involved, everything. But we're here because of weak Republicans. Weak Republicans. That's why. And it's always so good to hear from everybody inside of a Twitter space. And it's always so good to have you join us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm Booker Scott. I really appreciate you joining us every week here or listening on a podcast wherever you may find us. Remember, salt without flavor has no value and you are the salt of the earth. So be salty. Have a great week and we'll do it again next weekend. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network.